Welcome to Seeing Red the Pod, episode 25, where we always discuss the latest Nebraska issues. I'm Stephanie, and here with me today are my co-hosts, Melody and April. Today's special guest is our friend Mina from St. Paul. Let's get started. How's it going, ladies? Hey. Good. Labor Day weekend um, good on me. I'm happy to be relaxed. The Labor Day weekend looks good on me. I'm excited to be relaxed. (laughs) I'm... I'm glad that some of us are getting a Labor Day because at the university and at colleges, they're not, they took away Labor Day at the holiday. Yeah. They don't want kids going home. Everyone at the university. That's, yeah, I can see that. Stephanie is grimacing. Um, Yeah, no, everyone in the university system, they shortened the semester. So they're done by Thanksgiving. They don't come back after Thanksgiving break. And that meant they gave up all of their days off, but including Labor Day, which I feel like symbolically it represents the audible crumbling of actual and assumed labor protections that people have in this country. Yep. Where like your employer's like, you know what? No Labor Day for you guys. <laughs> No one better expect me to work tomorrow. Well, I ain't working just, tomorrow. When you I mean, you remember, I ain't working tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> we fought for that. Well, maybe our universities should have unions. I don't know. Uh, yeah. You can't have what you won't fight for. Right. Well, some of them are. Let's be fair. Some of them are. We know some of them. Well, I just... I've been thinking this Labor Day weekend about labor and labor protections and just all the things we've been giving up in COVID. So we know right here in Nebraska when nursing home staff were getting sick, they kept them at the nursing homes and kept them working while they were sick with COVID. They were basically forced to work. They'd live at their work. They couldn't go home. What kind of society do we live in when we say your work is literally your prison? Like, that's not a free person. We built a society where we said meatpacking workers, they have to go in internationally known dangerous conditions. The entire nation was looking at our meatpacking plants. And we told those workers, you better go to work and you better not quit your job. And if you do quit your job, you will not qualify for um, you will not qualify for unemployment. We have not expanded Medicaid, so you're probably not going to qualify for that either. You you must work in dangerous conditions that we know are dangerous and refuse to do anything about. I mean, that's the state of Nebraska right now, and now we have. Um, And it's not just the university system, but it's also like, I know Doan, they're doing the same thing. Maybe Wesleyan, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure what the other liberal arts colleges around the state are doing, but a lot of academia just cut Labor Day. And I think that is telling. It's just telling that the day to represent workers' rights, workers' protection, the fact that your life should be more than just your job, your life should have uh, joy outside of work, 
and this is the day to represent that, that not everyone's getting that day. And I think that's about right for our society right now. Well, you know, the thing is, it's interesting that they were even able to cancel it because it's a federal holiday. Mm -hmm. I don't really know how they worked around that, but I will say like, obviously the break is amazing, especially as a teacher, like the first month you're just like, and as a professor, I'm sure it's exactly the same, but they're going to finish their semester at Thanksgiving so that they're going to get some time back. Does that make sense? Because they're giving up fall break and Labor Day. And I understand it's symbolic, but but I want to, I just want to know. You wouldn't see them give up a religious holiday. You only see them give up a secular holiday that is representative of labor rights. I think that's a little different than saying you're not going to get a fall break this year. Well, we'll see what happens in the spring because that's where more, like nobody goes to school on Christmas, Mm -hmm. which is a religious holiday, but spring has a little bit has like easter but that's a weekend it's a sunday so yeah and spring break has an economic value Mm -hmm. because spring breakers spend a lot of money and you can't finish school before spring break i just don't think you can do it that's like six weeks Mm -hmm. early thanksgiving is only like two weeks early maybe two and a half yeah i mean they could eliminate spring break and those kids could be done before easter (laughs) No, you'll see. Well, it's not, you know, Nebraska probably doesn't care about spring break economy because we don't get anything from it. Right. We spend all the money. <laughs> Nobody's like, we probably would make money if we didn't have spring break. People have to be yeah. here buy groceries. <laughs> like Colorado, take our spring break dollars. Florida, Mexico, take our well, spring break dollars. <laughs> Nowhere to go. Nowhere to go. Mm-mm. So, so what's the news this week, ladies? What's something that that you've seen or heard well, that sticks out? Well, one thing that we haven't got to talk about yet, because we haven't had a pod in a couple weeks, life listeners, sorry, um, is that the legislature is out in a jack shit that was actually important in a pandemic. And no, some of the legislature... Yeah, yeah, right. Several of the legislatures, including my own, have called for a special session to address um, social justice issues and, you know, the pandemic. Um, they have not been successful yet, yeah, but yeah. there's a pandemic. <laughs> no. Well, I think that. Nebraska, totally on brand, our governor decided not to take federal dollars for unemployment and food insecurity. You know, for the record, federal dollars are our dollars that we send to the federal government. And he wanted everyone in the nation to take our federal dollars except us. Uh, But I think he did retract that for unemployment. The unemployment part, but but not not food food insecurity. And we were the 49th state to request the unemployment. Right. So, like, it wasn't until everyone started outraged that he finally was like, okay, we'll ask. I mean, we're also an ag state. So, people's grocery spending is a really big, important part of our economy. And so, this idea so, what? I mean, obviously, we need to support people who are food insecure and feed them because it costs basically nothing when you compare government spending overall. It's nothing, it's a half of a half of a half a percent. We could feed everybody. It just costs nothing. But two, even if you don't care about the hungry, 
it is good for the Nebraska economy when we take federal dollars that we're owed because then people will spend it in our local grocery stores. They'll buy farm products made by Nebraska farmers. Um, that is what happens when you give people food dollars. So it's just, the governor has no heart and he also is bad at business. He's bad at everything. <laughs> I hate him so much. Really bad. I'm well, really he got his money from his dad. He doesn't know what the hell he's doing. No. Clearly. No, he doesn't. Anyway. He's just heartless and he's never had to work for anything in his whole life. So he doesn't want to give anything away. He's like the Grinch. He's stingy and his heart is three sizes too small. Yeah. Now I'm inspired to make I don't know if he has a, a heart. red anti Christmas card with Pete Ricketts as the Grinch. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna figure this out. Why <laughs> don't you have to make a Grinch born. Christmas card for seeing red? That would be amazing. But it has to be Pete Ricketts bald head on there. Yeah. I have friends who can do Photoshop. I'm gonna talk to them. <laughs> that will be fantastic. So Stephanie, will you please introduce our guest because I am so excited. You know I have a heart for rural organizers and we have one with us tonight and I'm ready to talk to her. Me too, me too. Looking forward to it. Today we have a founding member of the Central Nebraska Peaceworkers, Mina Sprague. The group is a chapter of the statewide group Nebraskans for Peace. They were founded to protest the war in Iraq back in 2001 and aside from a small break due to COVID-19, they've been out in the street since. Welcome, Mina. Coming. Thank you. Nice to be here. Thanks for asking me. Yeah. I'm excited that you're here with us today. Well, I am really happy you're here because I know people often know more about what's happening in the more densely populated areas of the state. There's Lincoln, Omaha. Fremont gets a lot of press because they do a lot of terrible things and Ben Sass is from there. Uh, and that's kind of, you know, maybe Grand Island when the cranes come. And that's kind of the bulk of what we hear about the entire state. And your group is doing incredible and consistent work. And you have been doing that work for a long time. And I want to be sure we are knowing about that as a movement of people who want to move the state forward. Because we cannot move the state forward unless we've got the entirety of the state. And so I want people to know your story and know what you're up to in St. Paul and that there's a St. Paul in Nebraska. <laughs> you know? well, I, so, I live in St. Paul, but we do most of our um, action in Grand Island because it is centrally located. We have people that come from Kearney, people that have come from Sutton, from Hastings. We come from St. Paul. And uh, we, meet, we meet in Grand Island when we're meeting. Now we're meeting on Zoom. We're just a, a social justice, a peace and social justice group. And that's what we're working for. Uh, we are not political, although most of us do have strong political views. Can you walk us through when the group started? Because you're one of the founding members. What was happening in the world that spawned a group of social justice-minded people to come together and organize? Well, most of the people that started the group were all members of Nebraskans for Peace. And 
Nebraskans for Peace normally meets more towards the east. However, it was founded here in central Nebraska hmm. in, uh, during the Vietnam War. People from Shelton and Wood River and uh, Fullerton founded it, farmers actually. And uh, we just all wanted to get together. And so ne Central or Nebraskans for Peace had our names and phone numbers and we met at the uh, Trinity United Methodist Church and uh, decided that this is something we were all gonna do. We have uh, several clergy that are involved with us of different denominations. It's just we're uh, an eclectic group of people that feel that peace, is, peace and social justice are very important to us. So I didn't know Nebraskans for Peace was founded in central Nebraska. I didn't know that at all by farmers. That's really interesting. I think people have a, a view of farmers that doesn't align with the reality of farmers. Like we know farmers are stopping pipelines. We know farmers care deeply about the environment. We know farmers care deeply about uh, corporate monopolies. <laughs> and here we have an example, Nebraskans for Peace is a well-loved, well-respected organization in Nebraska. Uh, started by farmers. I had no idea that it was started by farmers. That's really cool. We have a, a couple of members, uh, Dale Roper and uh, Father Rich Majeski, that were also on the board of directors that have been very instrumental in keeping the group going also. That's really cool. What kind of things did you start out doing when the group started? And why did you choose to use a different name than Nebraskans for Peace? We, when we met at the, at the church, we all just voted on Central Nebraska Peace Workers because we kind of felt like that separated us apart. You know, we're part of, but we aren't actually them. And then, oh, within the last few years, they have decided they wanted chapters and that's when we became a chapter hmm. for Nebraskans for Peace. But we were just wanting to stop the war. And of course, now we have so many issues, uh, Black Lives Matter, immigration, uh, there's just so much going on that we, you can't stop. Mm -hmm. What do what, a lot of, what do your actions look like? What are some of the things your group does? Oh, we stand on the street corner for an hour with signs, <laughs> honk for peace. That's always a favorite one. And uh, we usually have a theme of, uh, we've got members that are act, act, uh, active in bold Nebraska, of which we are too. And so we've got signs for stop, no KXL. Uh, all of the issues that Seeing Red is also interested in right now. Uh, we meet monthly, once a month, and usually the fourth Sunday of the month. And then the following Wednesday is when we stand on the street corner for one hour. And so you're trying to spread messages about what your, whatever the issue of the day is? Climate change, yes, yes, and really, we have, we set up a theme, but people are not, you know, if somebody wants to bring something different to the group, another sign that's something different, that's perfectly fine. Uh, we now have a gentleman from Kearney who is a good photographer and normally he takes a picture of the group. So we have a lot of pictures that we put on of what we do. And we, it's just so comforting to get together on a monthly basis and talk with like-minded people who care about the same things that you care about. And we've developed very good close friendships now too. 
I love that. I'm on the social justice committee at my church. And I'm thinking, gosh, that seems so simple. Just pick a theme once a month, just stand out there. Like we could do that. I think that's so easy to replicate. What's been the response when, um, and has it changed over time? Yes, we're getting more of a positive response. Of course, when 2016 came around, there's more vulgarity, which you might expect. Um, people do give us the bird and then people go by and it's kind of funny because there'll be one person in the car that'll give us the peace sign and somebody else that'll be shaking their head no. But uh, like I said, this last time, or, well, the time before and last time that we got, our last issue was only the post office and that was all that we were there for. And we actually had a very positive response to that also. This is something I wrote about in, I wrote about this on Seeing Red, that when we make these major budget cuts and we say we're trying to cut taxes and help, usually farmers is what, you know, you hear in the rhetoric, um, the cuts come out of rural infrastructure. This post office thing is... Um, you know, it's, they've already done this before. They closed lots of post offices in Nebraska. Well, Grand Island was a sorting station. And now if I mail something in St. Paul, it goes to Grand Island and from Grand Island to Omaha, then from Omaha to Grand Island and back to St. Paul. Now that's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It was far more efficient when we had our sorting station in Grand Island. And if I'm correct, I believe that Kearney and West goes to Denver. And I could and the be Lincoln wrong. Lincoln Mail goes to Omaha. So, yeah. It surprised me if West went West. And even aside from whether it's efficient or not, those are really good government jobs with government benefits that just rural Nebraska doesn't get to have anymore. That's in a, we're also a union members. <laughs> and I yeah. really think that that is the whole issue with the Republican Party is they want to hurt the union. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons they want to privatize the post office. Yeah. Well, and I think something people don't always think about when they think about the post office is it is, it is ludicrous to think a private company would go to every single person's house, every single place in the nation. No private business is going to do that. The only way you can make that happen is when you pool the nation's resources and say, we're going to do this as a nation. And that is the job of government to execute what we as a nation have decided we value, like making sure everybody gets letters to their house. Here's an example. We have friends in Amsterdam and we sent them a package. We saved $100 by using the United States Post Office over FedEx and UPS. Wow. Another thing, we live in the country. A lot of our packages will start out with FedEx or UPS. And if they don't want to deliver out here, then they send it to the, the mail brings it out. The mail carrier brings it out. Mm -hmm. They're our friends and our neighbors. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that's a real, I mean, it is not cost effective to go to rural places and deliver packages and letters. It's just not. 
But then the Defense Department doesn't make money for us either, and nobody's wanting to cut that. Right. Thank you. <laughs> so, but post office and school. One thing I always think about when I'm thinking. Okay, Go ahead, Stephanie. So Nebraska, Nebraska has um, public power. And right now, if we look at California, which does not have public power, I mean, of course, the U.S. government paid to put in the initial electrical infrastructure uh, so that people would have um, power. But now that's privately held corporations and we've got they've got rolling blackouts because um, and huge fires, the rates are out of control. Um, and in Nebraska, where we have public power, we don't have infrastructure problems. We don't have rolling blackouts. We don't have, you know, huge fires being caused because trees haven't been trimmed in 30 years because they cut that expense to make sure that the shareholders made money. And I can't imagine that anything different, that there would be anything different than what we're looking at if they were to try to privatize um, our postal service. There's just no way. It's a mess. I might add on to that, actually. I wouldn't necessarily assume, um, well, not only because I know some experience, I am not sure that the government paid for all of that electrical infrastructure. And let me give you an example. I didn't know this. My grandmother told me that they lived in rural Iowa. And um, back in the day, to get um, a telephone line, so it was similar to electricity, right? To get a telephone line out to their house, they made a deal with the farmers and said, We'll this was the telephone companies said, we will provide all the stuff if you'll install the poles. So my grandfather and the other farmers installed their own telephone poles and lines so they could have that service. So I think there's a little bit more than just um, somebody paying for it. You know, the government paying for this. I think there was more community input. It was part of uh, rural or rural electrification was part of the stimulus package that was put together after the Great Depression. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was um, a huge push because the cities already had it. I don't I think the telephones came later. And so they didn't have a, of course, a needed government program yeah. to provide jobs and electricity. But gotcha. I, think, I think it was generally paid for as part of that stimulus package. As a little side note, my grandfather was treasurer of Howard Greeley REA when it first came to this area. Uh, I'd when we moved out here, when I moved out here in 1960, the first time, 62, we, there wasn't a phone to the house. And the closest phone line was a half a mile away. And Northwestern Bell put the phone, put phone lines in up to the house so we could have a phone. Where were you before you moved here? I was actually raised in St. Paul. And then I started working for Northwest Orient Airlines at reservations. And I lived in Minneapolis. And from there, I went to Miami for, a, for the winter. It was a winter job. Fabulous. And uh, met my husband. And then brought him back, this Ohio boy, back to Nebraska to live with me. <laughs> I love that. And he opened the, uh, when Northwest first started fly, uh, flying into Omaha, he opened the station. He was one of them that opened the station there. Wow. What is, what are other issues that are coming up in the group that there's consensus that they're really important? A woman's right to choose. Mm. 
voting, having the ballots count, social justice, what's happening with Black Lives Matter now and people of color is something that has to be done. And I, I find this so interesting. I just heard that 93% of all Black Lives Matter uh, gatherings are peaceful. And so what do we hear about? The 7%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've talked to a number of organizers this summer and it's frustrating to see all these organizers and activists and leaders and they're, they're out in the streets, they're showing up to city council, they're coming to the legislature. They've done so much. They could not have done more. They could not have done more. And in our two largest cities, the Omaha mayor says, well, we're not making any changes. And the Lincoln mayor was like, well, we're not going to make any changes. In fact, we're actually expanding the police. Uh, <laughs> we're not going to seriously consider any sort of reform efforts at this moment in time. And that is so, and it's not a political party thing. You have a Republican in Omaha, Democrat in Lincoln, but you get the same, you get the same thing. And what more needs to happen for reform? I don't know. People have to care. Mm-hmm. People have to care. Are there other groups? Like, is there a Western peace worker group? Western Nebraska peace worker group? At one time, there was a, a Kearney area peace group that... Uh, it was uh, connected with the college and most of those kids have graduated and left and we do have members from Kearney. I do know that Nebraskans for Peace does have members from out west, but uh, I don't think there's anything coordinated like we are. So that's really unique. Uh, so are you meeting, are you meeting weekly now or monthly? We're meeting monthly and we're meeting on Zoom and mm -hmm. then we will have our peace gathering after the Wednesday after the fourth Sunday. Who have been your targets for, like, are you going and just generally picking a corner or do you pick an elected official or? It, we're either in front of Adrian Smith's office or on <laughs> Webb Road and State Street which is, or if you're familiar with Grand Island at all, it's a busy intersection. That Adrian Smith, you know, he, he, he is a good example of how people love to ignore rural Nebraska. Nobody ever covers him. He votes wrong on everything. He's done nothing. He's accomplished nothing. Uh, he just was selected by his party, got elected resoundingly, and then he just gets a free pass every every day. He gets a free pass. It's incredible, actually. He I has don't understand it. <laughs> well, he's met with us a couple of times. They'll only allow ten of us to go up there, and um, he just lies. I don't know how else to put it. He just lies. Wow. Like he'll how, say how one thing he? and do another. Oh, sorry. 
Oh, I was just going to say, how is he when you meet him? Uh, the thing that makes me laugh is he'll start to say something and I'll shake my head no and he'll just stop because he knows that I know that he's lying. <laughs> but he's been he's been nice to us. They, he allows an hour, a little bit more than an hour. It's been a while since we've been up there. I was pretty disgusted with him, though, when he would not even... Uh, debate Paul Theobald when Paul ran against him two right. years ago. Paul was yeah. really, Paul is a top-notch person and would make an excellent representative and he wasn't given a chance. Yeah. We we had Paul on the pod. Paul's the real deal. He is so the real deal. <laughs> well, why do you think, what do people say when, um, like, what's the sentiment when he refuses debates and he refuses to stand for his record? Um, what's this, is there, what do people say about that? What do people think? They don't care. They're just, if it's, there's an R behind the name, they vote for it. And, and this is what's so disappointing to me. Um, there were Democratic counties when my dad was in politics when I was younger. Howard County was a Democratic county, Greeley County, there were several others. And when it came time to vote for Trump, every one of them went for him. That's incredible. What would you, what kind of advice would you give to people who want to get organized and maybe they just think they live in a Trump supporting nest and they feel maybe nervous? Um, do you have any advice for those people? Be strong. Your voice, your opinion is very important. And even if people don't agree with you, you can civilly discuss issues and not become angry. I love that. What would you say in the last 30 years that you've been doing this, just about 29 years, what would you say you've accomplished? education and that it's our right to go against the flow. It's our right to stand up for what you think is right. And look at Bold, Nebraska. So far, we still don't have KXL pipeline, do we? Right. I think people maybe underestimate how powerful it is to be a thumbtack on the chair. I love that. You know, I mean, sometimes you can't move the chair. Sometimes the chair is just bolted to the floor and you can't always prevent someone from sitting on the chair. You may not be able to do that, but being a thumbtack on the chair, I think is um, just one thumbtack. You don't even need a hundred. One, one thumbtack properly placed really can create some chaos and maybe delay or even ultimately prevent uh, things you want prevented or delayed. One of the interesting times uh, when, if you, I don't know if you remember when um, George Bush came to Grand Island and we were right across the street. So as he drove out, we had eight foot signs that we held up for him to see. About the Iraq war? Yes. Wow. Wow. Great. I had I a, a different question. experience during that time because I was a child and my dad was in the Air Force and he was a sound engineer, and so he was flying overseas to uh, with the band to do entertainment. And I lived in a military town, so I had a very different experience. 
during that period of time. But the second time around, I was out on the streets in the 2000s. Should I correct you? It's 19 years we've been on the street, not 29. Oh, I was thinking of 91, not 2001. You were right. You were right. I was thinking 91. <laughs> so I have a question. What, um, I know you said you're not necessarily political, but is there anything that um, other progressives or, uh, or political parties could do in central Nebraska to help um, people like-minded like you? First of all, you, you need to let them know that you're there. And so I think that the publicity that we received for being in front of the, for saving the post office last Wednesday was excellent because we were on the front page of the Grand Island Independent and Channel 4 did a story for us. And that helps. At one time, several of us, uh, for about a five-year period, wrote articles for the Independent. Every two weeks, we put a progressive article in. And um, So not like a letter to the editor, but like an actual piece? We were allowed 750 words. Wow. That's awesome. I want to put up a playbook of all, like, okay, you just... You have a monthly meeting and you just go out with your signs. You can bring the same sign every week. It's fine. And then you work with your local paper and you get a commitment that they'll publish you every two weeks. Like what, like what are, what are the other things in the playbook? Well, on. At, at that time they had a retired officer and I think he was from Benedict, Nebraska that was putting in all these articles that was just as right wing as they could be and act not factual. And so a group of us went to the editor, it was uh, Bill Dunn at that time, and said, we'd like to do some articles to give another point of view. And he said, where have you been? And unfortunately, we lost Bill. He was, he was an excellent person. But um, so we wrote for about five years and several of us took turns, you know. And our, the way we did it was we'd write the article and then send it around to the group and everybody would critique what we've written. And then when everybody agreed to what, I actually wrote my articles and I could take their critique or not, that was my choice. But when we thought the, it was good, then we sent it to them. And that was just another chapter of uh, Central Nebraska. We were called, what were we called? Um, Concerned Citizens of Nebraska, I believe it was. Oh yeah. I like seeing the evolution of activism. It's pretty neat, neat, Nina. Thank you. What are some of the other tactics that you've used? I like to call them tools in the toolbox, you know? Oh, one of the things now, we didn't actually start this, but a lot of us were active in it was when uh, the COVID thing first started and JBS and Grand Island we knew was a hot spot. There was for the whole full month of May, every Saturday from two o'clock, we did a, a drive around Grand Island. Mm, and I remember a carav caravan of cars. And it was uplifting because people would come out and stand in their, on the street and wave at us. And we'd meet people and they'd honk. Um, did Angie Phillips come to that once? Was like there was like the mom signage? I thought she did something like that once. 
who is that? Angie Phillips. She was uh, she but ran she for the came, Senate. Angie and Alicia both came to the Women's March in Kearney and spoke, and they were both there. Have you seen any evidence that the current Senate candidate has made his way to your part of the state? No, just his cakes on Facebook. <laughs> that, I mean, that's what I thought you would say, but you know, I felt like I should ask. I haven't heard a word from him and I, I really don't expect to. I, I, why would he stay in when we don't want him? I'm very anxiously awaiting the write-in candidate that's going to be announced at Big Mama's in Omaha on Tuesday. I think it's at three o'clock. Mm. So. Tuesday, September 8th. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, that would be good because that would, I'm if it's Big Mama's, that's in Omaha. So I'm just all speculating. I don't have any insider information, but I'm going to assume it's someone from Omaha and I'm going to assume it's someone very exciting and maybe, just maybe, it can just push Kara Eastman over that finish line and support her race. And, and that electoral vote. And that electoral vote. Um, and maybe can help Kate Bowles also win um, in, you know, Lincoln and surrounding counties. Well, she'll win. She'll win Lincoln for sure. But um, that will be really good. That's very strategic if it's someone in Omaha because that's such a that's such an important politically speaking section of the state yeah, yeah. this year. I've heard there's some polling that would indicate that Kate's a heck of a lot closer than anyone could have ever expected. Like, so I'm. I'm very excited about the next 60 days. Man, if we sent two smart, intelligent, powerful women to Washington, I would think that would really change the dynamic in Nebraska and at least give us a little representation. Mm -hmm. I'm so disappointed that Alicia could not run. Yeah. Yeah, I, think I am too. 108 year old law getting us. I mean, I think the law is actually good. I don't, I do generally want people to go away if they don't win the primary. I think that is, that is actually, I think it's reasonable to say, you don't just get to keep running forever. Um, if you lose, you lose. It's over for you. Like, I think generally that's fine, but it's so unusual that someone who the, most of us did not know was so vile would be elected and then we find out and then to be so vile and to be so stubborn i mean it's it is shocking i don't think that's the law's fault i think we just have a a deep deficit of character in this individual um that no one could have predicted that really is shocking so that's my two cents but i generally do like if you lose the primary i think you should move on to other pursuits generally, but this was just so unusual. Would you say, Mina, that there is um, a gender balance or an imbalance in people who come out? Is it mostly women, mostly men, or a good mix? A good mix. We have really? several, oh yeah, <clears throat> we have several couples and um, I'd say it's about 50-50. 
That's awesome. Dear men of Lincoln, we need more of you to show up. Right? Everywhere I go, it's all women. We need more of them. I know there's some of you listening are men and you do show up. To be clear, we're not talking about you. Not all men. Hello. Uh, <laughs> but you know, when you go into rooms, they're mostly women because you're your other males are not coming. Uh, that's just true. Not to be hurtful. Well, Mina, do you have anything uh, that we didn't ask you that you wanted to tell people about? Just be positive. Um, life is short. Don't get angry. Mm-hmm. But we do everything we can to make life better for all of us because everyone is important. I love that. How do you stop yourself from being angry? I thought I wouldn't have Please a follow up question, but <laughs> now I do. I do too. <laughs> I have to tell you this. Uh, we've decided that when this whole COVID thing is over, we're going to have to start biting our tongues because we're saying a lot of things that we say here in the house that we can't and shouldn't say in public. Mm. So you're saying sometimes you do get angry, but you try really hard to find peace in your heart. Yes. Got it. <laughs> okay. Okay. I thought maybe you had like some secret sauce that I should know about because it is very hard not to be angry. Yes. And I sometimes agree. that is, that's just, you know, I righteous rage is what will get me through the day sometimes, you know. Stephanie, April. Anything Anything else you want to ask, Mina? Thanks for coming. Yeah, it was so fun to have you. Thank you for asking me. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Nice meeting all of you. Bye. You've been listening to Seeing Red Nebraska, Politics from the Left. Seeing Red is a group blog edited by citizen volunteers and entirely devoted to Nebraska politics. You can support us on Patreon with a $5, 10 or $20 a month donation. Be sure to check us out at seeingrednebraska.com and on Facebook and Instagram. You can also follow us on Twitter at seeingredne or contact us via email at seeingredne at protonmail.com.